The following podcast is brought to you by the BICBP Radio Network. Another edition of the panel discussion, your home for comic book talk on the BICBP radio network. My name is Greg, and I am here joined by my friend and co-host, Matt Johnson. What is up, everybody? Uh, welcome back to another week. Happy February. Happy, Happy February, Feb- indeed. It is. Uh, so today we start to move into the direction of talking about African-American characters as it is African-American History Month. Um, or Bla- is it Black History or African-American? I think it's just Black, Black History, History Month. Month. It's, yeah. Um, so we have a lot to talk about today. We're going to kind of get into the origins of that. Also, last week we picked our featured characters that we are going to discuss. And those two characters are Spawn and Static Shock. Well, just Static. Um and we'll pick new ones for next week. So uh, real quick, first and foremost, I want to give a shout-out to our sponsor. I want to thank them, Fat Man's Pizza, 2712 Niagara Falls Boulevard in Tonawanda, New York. Excellent pizza, excellent wings, excellent subs and other foods. Please give them a like on Facebook. Follow them on Instagram or Twitter, and uh, go check out their spot. Call and order. Seriously, they're, uh, they're worth it. They're good to us, and uh, you would help us if you were good to them. So okay. uh, please check them out. But yeah, do we got any news today? We so if you watched the the Super Bowl game Sunday night, um, you saw that legitimate teaser trailer, and not just for um, Falcon and Winter Soldier that I thought it would be, but for WandaVision and for Loki. Now, I think the one we get really got the most idea. Um, we really didn't get much of Loki at all. We just no. got him um, kind of in that suit, and I know. That logo is familiar to me, and I'm like, it's driving me crazy. I can't figure out what it is. It's one of, like, the big prisons. Um, But we got a real taste of, I think, out of all of the shows, the most understanding of what WandaVision might be um, for real. Because I feel like Captain America or, well, Winter Soldier and and Falcon kind of felt like, okay, this is just going to be like an action buddy cop. This looks like a, a Winter Soldier movie. It yeah. looks like a Captain America movie. But WandaVision. Um, that was interesting. Worked, yeah. We, the, that 10, 15 seconds we got of that showed us a ton of the show. Yeah, I heard a couple. I mean, I read a couple rumors as to what could possibly, you know, it could be her like altering reality and, and kind of having like one of her episodes. Uh, almost like a, what was it? House, House of, of M. M? Yeah, yeah, that's was kind of the vibe that. I got, uh, especially when they, they flip through the different, uh, you know, her different apparels, including her classic comic book. Which was awesome. Uh, that was a cool nod. And that was I never thought I'd ever see that on the big screen. Uh, yeah. It was just cool to see that even for the brief moment. So hopefully we get some more mileage out of that. Hopefully yeah, it's it, something she uses going forward. Obviously, we all know she's going to be in Doctor Strange. So hopefully yeah. we get more of that there. It definitely looked like we got a little bit of um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like there was some old school classic um, TV shows, like a I Love Lucy esque vibe, yep, or a Honeymooners, and then we almost got the you know that the 70s or 60s, like the Brady Bunch. Um, so there was some flashes, and it looks like we're gonna almost be looking at this like the world through 
television, especially. It looks like sitcoms is going to be a lot of how they explore this world and what we're going to be looking at. So I think that's going to be kind of cool. No, it it yeah, it it definitely will be. I'm I'm liking their their take on this. Right? It's very it's very very different. The TV uh, show gives them the chance to follow, in my opinion. Um, where they can kind, they don't have to fit this typical tone that every other movie is gonna fit. They can kind of, you know, go off and adventure and be a little different and get a little kookier um, because they have a smaller platform and they can eventually catch up to that tone before the series ends. You know, right, right. Yeah, I. Because, I mean, the, the big thing about this show, too, is it's supposed to connect to Doctor Strange as well as the exactly, Loki yeah. movie. Uh, so how it's going to tie in, i very, very curious. I mean, that's the best part of all this. Um, so, yeah, I was happy about that. Like you said, we didn't get a whole lot of the Loki preview. Uh, but, really, yeah, Falcon, yeah, just a, just a little clip real quick. And I'm, I'm okay with that. I, I like the little mystery. Uh, but the Falcon and Winter Soldier one was pretty neat. You know, like yeah. you said, buddy cop, it's kind of what we all thought it was going to be going into it. There's the scene of the gun held up to Zemo's head and all of the bullets just like dropping out of it. And I was like, well, what's going on there? This <laughs> is cool. Uh, I'm excited to see Zemo. Like, he was a character that I, I really enjoyed and I was super excited to see on the big screen. Um, and as good as Civil War was for a lot of people, I I felt very let down. Um and just felt like they put Zemo in there just to have a villain. Yeah. And didn't love hit like his inclusion. So I'm excited to see him um, hopefully be more active in the series. Yeah. I, I'm in the same boat as that because I wanted to see the mask and obviously it's been teased in some of the promos. So, yeah. uh, you know, if, if his story ends at civil war, it's like, whatever, just a kind of a throwaway villain. But Zemo is such a, is much bigger deal than, you know, has been let on in the movies, yeah. you know, from a comic book perspective, he's a huge, huge deal. So I'm glad that he's getting a second chance. I think he's a terrific actor. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but yeah, I agree. Uh, he's, he did well. He played his part well. And, and now we're going to get a more aggressive, I mean, probably a more aggressive take on him. Yeah. Uh, Hope a little and, bit of sword fight and action and all that good stuff. Most likely. And you're going to see like, I mean, the fact Bucky, uh, who's, was tortured by this guy and never got a chance to put his hands on him is that's going to be a big deal. I didn't even uh, think that. That's awesome. Which, you know, really neat. Falcon was obviously, you know, didn't really have much interaction with him, but he's technically the new captain America. So, I mean, technically, I don't, I think they're going to go with different. He has cap shield, but I don't know if they're going to make him full on captain America. That's, yeah. At least from some of the stuff I've seen in the previews. So it, I almost expect, um, like a fight scene where that shield is getting passed back and forth between Bucky and Falcon. And I expect more of a, we are captain America than one of them is captain America. If you, you know what I mean? Like it's might sound weird, but that's almost kind of what I'm expecting is this. And I think it's a smart move right now. Um, that they kind of join those two as the character. Cause a lot of people want one or the other. And I think it, if anything, it shows better to have a unified representation of captain America, um, especially with what we're going to be talking about today and, and moving forward with black history month. I think that is pretty cool. Um, if they're not going to let Falcon stand on his own, which I, I would prefer that um, 
to have this like unified like one or two different people functioning as cap i do like that perspective a lot and i think that would work very very well uh i mean that's a whole other dynamic that hasn't been explored yet either is is that falcon winter soldier uh you know thing how are they going to get along without steve without the original cap and i think that's a big selling point uh, I don't know when the release date is, but I heard through the grapevine that they're trying to push it forward. Um, they're trying to get it. Awesome. As, I think they're trying to get it as soon as July, because I mean that's been one thing. Like honestly, I as great as Disney Plus has been, I haven't watched it that much because as soon as I got through Mandalorian, it's yep. just old stuff, right? I mean, there, there's stuff on the horizon, but a lot of new content besides like some some more like. Disney content, um, which is fine. There's, but even then, that's been pretty limited for new stuff at the moment. Yeah. So, I mean, personally, from my perspective, I need, uh, I need a Marvel Disney Plus show to con- to really continue this. And obviously, I know they're on the horizon; they're coming. But uh, yeah. I feel like it's it's taking too long. If I don't know if you feel that way too, but I just feel like it's taking too long. I don't even um, think it's just Disney Plus. I think it's right now we're on this lull. I feel like we got spoiled. We had a ton of Marvel, um, yeah. and we then we had Endgame, Spider Man. What that that summer? Yeah. And we've had nothing. We've not had a single Marvel title title since. This is That's the true. longest I think we've went without a superhero, a Marvel superhero movie. You know. Um, and now we'll finally get something. It's going to come in fast. March with Black Widow. And then all of a sudden we're going to start rolling. Yeah. Uh, but we had this like lull. And I think that was smart because I, 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 I fear on one side, like people are starting to get like, well, I'm falling out of the superhero role. And then on the other side, it's going to be like once they start hitting, people are going to start going like, I missed this so much. Like I didn't realize how much I missed this until I have a Marvel movie to look forward to every four months. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a good. That is a good point. Make them wait. Make bring the desire back because there was a little exhaustion. Uh, but yeah, yes. we are going to get. I mean, we are going to get a ton of content starting this year. Um, always at our pretty much at, in our face. So that is a good thing. That is a good thing. Uh, when you put it that way, I think that's a, that's really good for for the longevity 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 of uh, Marvel superhero films because. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a lot of questions going forward. Nobody really knows what the plan is. Obviously, we're losing a lot of main characters, uh, so I think waiting and, and leaving that desire and, and and excitement, I think, is a good strategy. They just have to deliver on it. So and it keeps them from having to rush. They can really sit back and go, okay, how can we integrate um, X Men? How can we integrate Blade? Because that's going to be these are going to be things that are factors. How can we integrate the Fantastic Four? But introducing mutants and the supernatural aspect even more um, is going to really affect the sh- the the Mar- MCU. It's going to really open it up even more. Like think about how much it opened it up just having cosmic characters. Now you're going to add even more to really chew on and and in every film. Like we can have a mutant involved in any of the movies, really. Right. Like any vil any movie could have a mutant as a villain. It's, yeah, that's hundred percent true. Um, there's an empty space for a, a big villain. Cause really in a different universe, Loki's alive, but not in this current universe. Um, so we don't have Osborne. We don't have a doom. We don't have a lot of these characters introduced. Um, we don't really have a, an MCU kingpin unless they integrate the Netflix shows, which again, that's something else they're doing. So there's a lot of moving parts 
which they could have just been like, all right, let's do this. Let's let's just immediately pump out an X-Men movie. Let's immediately do this. And rush it and waste it, yeah. Exactly. They can really plan some stuff out and see how the pieces fall. And also, um, a piece that a lot of people forget about is watch comic book sales and see what people are being attracted to on the racks right now. That's an excellent point. That's an excellent point. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, it's a a very... It's a very exciting time. Again, it always, I mean, it always kind of has been. It's a superhero yeah. film kind of sewer, but um, it is a exciting time going forward to see uh, what's in store. Got a big year for superhero films, and I and, uh, think it's best that it all gets paced out. So, all right. Uh, I think that's it for news. Anything else? That's everything. Okay. Um, excellent. Now let's get into our main subject of the day. And as we said, it is Black History Month. Uh, this episode is going to come out tomorrow. Uh, well, time recording. It's going to be the fourth. So, um, so Black History Month and like with comics, right? I think we did Black History Month last year. We focused on certain characters. We did our yeah. back when Chris was on the show. We did we featured characters that were black. But um, now we, we get Cage and a couple others, and yeah. Oh, sorry, I lost my headphones for a second. I was wondering, um, I was like, oh, you really don't like Luke Cage. What the heck? <laughs> no, no. Uh, so now, now and obviously we've changed our format quite a bit to open up the discussion portion of this. And, and you know, and you know, we've talked about it before, how important comic books are. They are refle- really are a, a reflection of society um, and changing themes. And, you know, just it, it, it's always reflected that because I think people find – relativity in comic books quite a bit and and yeah it it, this was a big deal because when comic books first came out you know they first really started pumping out heavy in the early 1930s you know uh things weren't still great uh things weren't great at all to be honest with you for african americans uh in, in in culture and they really weren't portrayed a whole lot they didn't give that time to shine I, I agree, and it um, the early the early representations were pretty rough. They weren't the best um, portrayals. Like there was characters that were pretty like racist. You know, we we had I think we've talked um, stereotyped. I think is stereotype yeah, is the yes. word I'm looking for. Yeah, uh, like Luke Cage was a huge one. Um, in the early the early comics, like Tyrock, um, we had literally a character in the Luke Cage comics who was Black Mariah, who on the show is portrayed very well. But on the comics, she was a large black woman who dressed pretty much that that stereotypical look, and her power was literally that she was super overweight. That was her power. That's awful. <laughs> and it was it was done very poorly, and it was pretty standard. You know, um, I'm sorry. No, I'm looking through some of these, and I no. just looked at Doom Patrol villain. Um, he was not black character, but he was called Codpiece, and he literally is a, a hero or a villain with a cannon attached to his crotch. Um, but are you serious? He's a real thing. We're gonna have to find him later. Um, oh my god, the Doom Patrol villain. But even then, like the and some of the portrayals of black characters were very. Um, black face looking you know there was yeah 
it was very much that like that that almost like there's a comic where they said like Captain Marvel owned a um owned a slave and like oh a, god he's a black character with a large like pink face on the bottom um and it was very just not a strong portrayal um and that's that's kind of where we're at and then um was what in the 70s luke cage was broken onto the scene um and wasn't perfect it was not a perfect comic it still had a lot of racial um undertones but he was like the first titled african-american character um, and I, I, I think he was he started the ball rolling, um, and I still I think we didn't really get the ball rolling until recently um, with really what comics can be for these characters. I know you had some stats and stuff. I, I sorry I cut you off there. No, you're um, good. This is something I've studied a lot actually, and I've written a couple college thesis papers about these specific topics. Oh no, um, kidding. So this, this is my wheelhouse. <laughs> okay. Um, no, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, you are, I mean, Luke Cage, Black Panther were really the first, like, big-time, like, mainstream ones. Uh, but I was looking back. I was I was wondering, you know, doing research for this episode, who was the first, like, African character in comic books? Uh, and it was actually from 1934 uh, in an old comic strip. Well, it's a comic strip. Uh, Mandrake the Magician. And uh, the first African-American comic book character or African comic book character his name was Lothar uh, he was they called him he was the prince of the seven tribes and they you know they gave him like that dialect too where he didn't really speak good English they portrayed him really bad but he did help this mandrake guy help fight crime he was the muscle head but he was uh, you know they portrayed him as a little illiterate but they dressed him up like uh, like Craven the Hunter pretty much yeah. all the animal skins and this and that but they um, they eventually modernized him uh, also, this one too. This is really cool. Back in 1947, they, uh, you know, obviously the opportunities weren't there for a lot of African American, um, you know, writers, uh, artists. Uh, a, a comic label called All Negro Comics, June of 1947, that started. It was a 15 cent cent comic book that was written and drawn or series that was drawn solely by African-American artists and writers, which I thought was really cool. Uh, and they featured some different characters like Lion Man and uh, let's see who else they have. Lion Man, Power Man, uh, a couple other, you know, characters like that. There's one uh, they eventually changed Power Man to avoid confusion with Luke Cage. But, uh, you know, these are some of these early. Uh, oh, yeah. These, some of these early character designs. I think that's a really cool thing that I didn't know about coming into this episode. Uh, but they had a pretty talented group of people. There's there's people from all over the world, like France, Co the Congo, Kenya, Nigeria, Madagascar. Uh, all these people came in and really helped, you know, bring this uh, bring this brand to life, essentially. So and I think that's important because we'll talk about that even a little more. Um, and a specific company that did the same thing as we move forward. Oh, yes, we will. Uh, and then I was looking for some other ones. The first African-American solo series. Character named Lobo, not to be confused with DC's Lobo. Uh, debuted in December of 1965. And he was yeah officially the first comic book with an African-American star. <laughs> and this was made by Dell Comics. 
he was a West fictional Western comic book hero. That was that was his uh, that was his gimmick, and then his I'm gimmick. not sh- his, that was his, <laughs> that was his shtick, and I think he lasted till about. I don't know if he's been used recently, but I think he lasted until about nineteen, like late nineteen sixty six. Or there was another, there was a two issue series. Yeah, yeah um, it says uh, nineteen sixty six, and then there was not a single. Uh, then sixty nine, you know, we had Falcon, and then it says there was not a Black Star of his or own his or her own comic until seventy two, and that was Luke Cage. Okay, that's a Wikipedia fact for you. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so well, really, yeah. wrong. <laughs> no, you're probably right. Um, so yeah, like you said, there was, you know, Luke Cage was the first like Marvel one. That's mainstream. If you get the Marvel machine behind you, yeah. uh, you know, that's what's gonna happen. So Luke Cage came, and then uh, Black Panther obviously uh, came around, and it just kept growing and growing and growing. Uh, where the, like the 60s and 70s, you're starting to see more of it. It was more prominent in comic books it was not like a crazy wild thing to have an african-american character uh as a mainstay in one of your comic books yeah yeah it's and now it feels like it is we are now in the world where we have a, a lot more of them yeah and i think some very influential characters um and i think important in a lot of ways um but yeah like that you have a ton of like mainstays, like John Stewart, for example, is a huge one. When I think of Green Lantern, that was a big deal. That was a big deal uh, yeah. to change that up, and it did very well. It did very well. It's to the point where um, a lot of younger Green Lantern fans, I would say, from like the early two thousands, partially because of the Justice League show, um, but also just in general, like prefer Stewart over Jordan. Um, and some of his characterization has gotten messy, I think, as he's been around because of the different people who've had him. But he has been consistently a well-written writer and a well-performing, uh, well-written character and a well-performing character. And a lot of people would rather see him um, be on the main screen again or be on the main screen than try to retry Hal Jordan, even to the point where um, just recently, at the uh, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched the series finale of arrow um john diggle who was famously revealed as john stewart um through his stepfather actually a ra- a green box with a ring inside of it lands at his feet at the end of the series so oh that's uh, so cool it was a really great nod and if it pans out to nothing it was still cool <laughs> so you know we're getting more of these characters again black panther on the big screen miles morales um, we've got Ironheart. Like, there's a lot, and there's still there's still more. And I think uh, Black Lightning's another one. I was just gonna um, say he was DC's first black superhero to start yes. his own. Show. I was just looking that up. So it's a cool little tidbit. Yeah, he got his own TV show. Uh, I think a couple years ago, and it did pretty yeah, it's well on for season itself. three right now. Okay, so I mean that's rolling. that's and we'll talk awesome more about that show because I have some feelings for it. <laughs> okay, all right. No, that's good. That's good. So I mean the the culture around african-americans comics is is constantly changing it's it's like we said it's it's a reflection of of life it it really is um you know as more african-americans get you know bigger opportunities in in this and that you're starting to see more prominence uh and yeah like you said big feature on the big screen you're Mm -hmm. getting it a lot more uh blade another one we have coming 
We've got, you know, hopefully DC introduces steel one day. So there's a bunch. Not, yeah, not there's steel and <laughs> No, <laughs> no, there's yeah, there are like just so many to do, and I'm excited to really dive into some of these characters. Um, you know, we got a couple we're going to talk about today, but is there anything that you wanted to add to really the origins of uh, this topic? No, I think we're good, and I think we'll start with Spawn because. Um, and I hate to say this, but I think Spawn is um, probably the character that has the least effect out of our whole list um, as a black character, um, African-American character. Like, that's the most minimal part of his character. And in all of the other lists, I think that's it's true. identity where I think Spawn, um, because of, like, being this hellish character it's really drawn away from him um and it, it kind of it kind of takes away from it a little bit and actually some people had some issues with it at one point too like oh why well, you got this black character being a demon man right right <laughs> um, no that, but that makes sense i think it opened the door and it is actually a lot of people say like the first black superhero movie was um was Black Panther, and that's the first major. I agree with that. But there was, like, Spawn before that and a couple others, but Spawn was one of the big ones. Um, Spawn was huge. It did well for itself. Because that was, like, something, like, I wasn't super familiar with Spawn, you know, growing up, but that was something my dad talked about all the time. All the time. And he was really, really excited to go see the movie. Uh, him and my uncles all, all went to go see it. Like, they were really, really pumped for this movie. They were familiar with the character, and he was he's actually still a fairly, I'm not going to say new, but he's a newer character. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Early. May 1992. Wow. May yeah. 92. So, still pretty much on the young side, but just cool nonetheless. I forgot. Who are we talking to? I think it was was it Micah who said he used to read Spawn books all the time, but they just kept they kept they weren't really being written well. Yeah, they were they were never Spawn. I don't think was ever ever a really well written comic. This is my personal opinion, um, but I think it was a beautifully drawn comic. Right. I haven't seen like a panel of Spawn where I was just like, oof. I. Every single panel of Spawn I've ever looked at could be an art print that I would put on my wall. It is one of the most gorgeously drawn comics to this day, in my opinion. Um, every cover is just, it just had this unique, like almost Liefeld inspired, but had this more like this, like just cartoonish charm to it that really made it its own. Um, I think Spawn's the comic that really made Image stand out. Oh, yeah. And, and again, I think that's a huge thing to mention now with um, in the sense of an African-American character, not any of the other, you know, comic book um, giants that any of the other real producers can say that like that are still successful to this day um, can say like they're built around an African-American character. And I feel like image very much can build themselves around spawn it's one of the few titles that stayed successful for them and has continued to be printed for a long time now no without a doubt i mean i'm looking at some num. i mean just some numbers here uh real quick like the first issue is spawn dude it sold 1.7 million copies yeah. and uh 
like that's that's an insane amount for like image was not it was sporadic nobody knew what the heck image comics was at that time it was uh it didn't really have i mean i it i don't think it had an identity back then but spawn was like you said big image was built around spawn and spawn gave image an identity in the world of big league comics i mean they uh that was one of the biggest events that really helped, you know, transform them and make an image competitive. And I think as well known as it is today. Yeah, I agree. And we, and we've done an episode covering Spawn before I look back, we have, <laughs> um, but it's still, I think it's still a cool thing to look at. I think he's still a cool character to, to really dive into um, because he does have this dynamic of, he was different, um, especially in the movie version. I, and I don't know how much it played into the comic version. In the movie version, they really portrayed him as this family man, um, which was it's huge for this kind of character. You know what I mean? He wasn't estranged or anything. He was a like a nuclear family to a point. Um, and that, that was very different uh, even in the 90s, <laughs> to be honest. In the early <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, but then on the other side, you have this like – animalistic like the comics the the show were all very like hard r like the the fact that the movie wasn't if the movie was made now like it would it would probably be um even if there was no nudity very gory um i think it would be very it would be a super hard r as well i think it would have something akin to if you've watched the boys on uh, amazon like the gore to that level even surpassing deadpool um and I would expect it to have more of that horror feel. And they've talked about that a little bit. That um, they were trying to—they've been trying to get this movie off the ground for years now. <laughs> Nothing. But this was McFarland's baby. Like it really was. Yeah, this is something. It was special. It was you know very very original, and it, it's it has it, it. I mean, it's deserved its you know acclamation. Um, you know that because I. People still speak highly of it, you know. Mm-hmm. I post on the Facebook page, which which between Static Shock and or excuse me, just uh, Static. I always say Static Shock because I just I grew up Everyone with the cartoon. Has. Everyone um, does, yeah. You know, Static and, and Spawn. Which one would you rather see in a movie form? And everyone's like Spawn, and I think it would work really well today with how adult oriented and, mm-hmm. and darker that that comic book films are taking. I think Spawn would do very very well, uh, but it just goes to speak how popular it still is. Yeah. And, and it's some of it's that villain, that villain culture I've talked about in the past, and some of it's yeah. just the character. Um, and I and I can, I think I can go about saying like a lot of people probably, if it wasn't for the movies, wouldn't have even realized Spawn is an African American character. Uh, he's so synonymous with his suit and his form, yeah. um, and the burned look that I think a lot of people like. I think he's one of those characters that um, transcended that identity in a way, and I don't even want to use that word because it makes it sound like a good thing. Um, and I don't think it's a good or a bad thing. I think he's just a character that people were drawn to um, despite and regardless of his origins No, as a, I, as a person. I 100% agree. 100% agree. Before we move on to Static, though, uh, I wanted to lift, list off some uh, must-read storyline arcs for him. Uh, it was by CBR.com, and I think it was released last, it was last August. Um, just ahead because Spawn, you know, it's 300th issue is starting to kind of come back and became really, really popular. Um, but here's some story arcs that if you are interested, if you've never read a Spawn book, you should probably um, 
go check out either online or if you find it, you know, at the store, it's definitely worth a grab. Uh, all right. The first one is uh, it's called it's a three part story arc called Reflections, and it really it deals with the anti spawn, uh, which is really, really cool. Uh, next one is Al Simmons, who was the you know initial character of spawn who had the mantle he uh retires and he passes it on that's issue number 185 and spawn's been pretty linear it hasn't had like spawn unlimited or spawn the web of spot like yeah. it doesn't like branch out like that it's been very linear uh and then this was the passing of the torch where jim downing becomes the next um spawn so that was a nice one uh let's see spawn returns to hell issue number 50 which uh is a pretty good one spawn versus chapel it's it's a two part story arc covered in issues twelve and thirteen of that. Uh, let's see what else we got here. There's a few more. Hundredth issue is a pretty good one. Hundredth issue uh, with his demonic master Mal- Malik Bolgia. <laughs> oh I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try and say that, but that was a big. Uh, that's a pretty big deal. I used to have the toy of that character. I do remember that very clearly. I had the Violator. Uh, John I, oh yeah, um, <laughs> there's one Spawn versus Batman's a good one. Yep. I'm told to read. Very it looks like looks pretty. I'm not gonna say gory, but it looks intense. Yeah, um, I would want, and I know you're in the middle of this list, but as you're saying this, I was thinking of this, and actually, it's funny you brought up Batman. Um, I would love to see Spawn versus Azrael from the DC Comics universe. You know, the Ooh, Knight of Saint Dumas. Yeah, like, that would be cool. And then on the other, on the flip side, I think. Spawn versus Venom, especially because of like the character design similarities, could be really interesting. I think so too. I wish they would. I wish they would give them a chance to cross over. Yeah, there's like the Spawn kills everyone comics, which the cover is clearly Violator with like a fan, like the Infinity Gauntlet, and it's awesome. <laughs> that sounds so cool. <laughs> yeah, Spawn kills everyone too. That it's on now. <laughs> it's so awesome. Um. Let's see. A few more here. The uh, the hunt, which takes place between issues 21 and 23, and then issue 290. Well, obviously, um, 300 was the big milestone. You should definitely get that. But this 299 is pretty much sets it up and uh, just very, very good story. So, um, so yeah, if you're, you want to get some spawn, it, you know, read some spawn. Those are some issues or storylines you should always go to. I, I was it's easier to plug storylines than it is just single singular issues like storylines really make these characters not just african-american but all characters you really read them for the stories and get that's how you get hooked so that's why i always suggest the uh that's why i always suggest the storyline aspect of it so yeah the next character we're going to focus on today is static uh or in my own version uh static shock that's who i grew up with and greg i know you have a lot to say about this character static shock (laughs) <laughs> uh yeah you said you got quite a bit to talk about so i'm I'm looking forward to hearing it you're uh you I'm amped you're amped let's hear it uh so static um is a character that started from uh it, this is pretty interesting he wasn't initially a dc comic he actually was started from milestone media which milestone comics was at um literally they existed it was kind of like you were talking about earlier, and that's why I found this interesting. They were like a group of guys and creators who were like, ah, there's not been enough of um, these characters. Like there's not been enough of um, African-American or minority characters in comic books right now. 
So let's get together and let's make our own comic books. And this was in the, the early 90s, late 80s. Um, and early ni- 1993, they launched their first four titles, um, which included Static. And it was Hardware, Icon, Blood Syndicate, and Static. Um, and they were all minority characters. So right there is huge. That's a big jump. Um, and, and you don't even really, you know, I think we're numb to the idea of like, in the 90s, that's a big deal. It feels like, um, I feel like you think about it as a kid, you're like, wait, that was, that's a, that's, this has been something that's been not that big of a deal for so long. Right. Um, in our heads. But especially when you're a kid at that time, you don't even notice how much was still going on with um, race relations and, and the media and um, African-American characters, like they're, their non-existence in some ways because we did have characters like static shock and we did have John Stewart. Um, so I think we were a little blind and numb to some of that as kids, but this was huge. This was huge characters. Static gets launched. Um, and they have the Dakota verse, which is their universe where all their characters exist together. Uh, and it really didn't last long. And I know I was, I was surprised by that. I was like, you know, looking back at the cart, I started to cut you off, but like looking back at how popular the cartoon was, uh, he didn't have a great run. Uh, his first run was not really all that great. 45 issues um, and static. So and this is where I think is interesting about static is as popular of a character he is. I think everyone in our generation knows who static shock is. Yeah. He has had a, the most minimal run of comics. He had a really brief run there, um, his first 45. They brought him back, ran a couple comics with the TV show, um, and then tried to bring him back again in the New 52, and he ended after just eight issues. So Static really hasn't had a successful run, and they're really talking about um, DC Comics has been trying to bring him back. They've been trying to actually um, bring in all of the characters from Milestone that they acquired because they required all all four titles um, with that purchase. So they've been trying to really find a a place for static to fit in. Um, He had a run with uh, black lightning in the comics. He, he had a lot that he like some iconic moments, but never really had like his own solo run that successfully just ran. Uh, And, and as again, you don't really think about that because the show was so successful as a, as a kid, it's probably, um, it's right up there with like Justice League and for DC comic shows that really stand out to me. Even it's probably in my top three, and it's probably two right under the Batman animated series. You know, I think it's Batman animated series, Static Shock, and then Justice League, um, which is huge to think about. And then it had just such a poor run. And yeah, it's yeah crazy because I mean that show was everything. I used to love watching it. That was like. I think it was right. It might have been with Toonami, maybe a little bit. It was right around that same time. It was WB Kids yeah. at the yes. time. Yes, that's right. So it was, but it was huge and it was very relevant. And this is one of the things that I automatically think about Static Shock is I think it either came too early or too late. You know what I mean? Like, I think it would have been released a little earlier in the 90s. It might have been iconic. Or had Static Shock come around. And as a comic, it, uh, about five years later, it might have really launched hard. But I think it just missed the mark. Um, and, and 
there's I I don't know why I I think part of it is um, the character I think it's static was right in your face with who he was right um, and what they represented and what they were going for in that comic book Uh, if I don't know how how quick did you recognize what the first issue I know you shared that title do you recognize what that's modeled off of his costume. His costume? Uh, I mean, at quick glance, it almost looks a little booster goldish. Also, okay. oh, Flash 2. Flash 2. Okay, the the original costume from the first comic you shared. Um, That one you shared on the Facebook page. I know I'm putting you on the spot. Oh, no, you're good. I, I didn't know what you were talking about. Let me pull that up real quick. Yeah. It there's... looks... It looks like Black Panther a little bit. Black Panther a little bit? That uh, if you look at a picture of the NWA, he is very much dressed like one of the members of that crew. Um, oh, yeah, with the hat, I see it. Okay, the hat and like the the lightning bolts almost look like the gold chains they always wore and the black outfits. Uh, so right off the first that issue of that cover, you know this is a hip hop, hip like a hip hop comic, right? It, and it's gonna NWA in the nineties was. The reason NWA made waves is because they went after everything and they were very loud about what they were out there for. Think about it. F the police. Like, yeah, it was, they weren't very subtle. No. And, <laughs> and so you look at that comic and I think as um, in the 90s with knowing that and probably knowing NWA was not as popular with um, white fans in the 90s. As it is now, I think now that culture is revolutionized and more accepting or more accepted where at the time it was scary, I think, because we white people didn't get it like we don't we like we have that today. Um, And it was it was a little bit Black Panther, not of the character, but of the group, um, a little more modernized. And that's what, you know, Um, and I think parents went to comic book shop, saw that and said, nope, move on. (laughs) And it's Move sad, it. but it's true. Um, no, you're probably right. You're probably very right. And that's one of the reasons for the comic redesign. Imagine if that was what you would released um, as a character in the comics. I don't know if it would be as, or in the cartoon. I don't know if that character design would have been as successful because it, it he almost looks more anti-hero-ish too. He doesn't look as inviting and typical bright-colored superhero – as the static we know and love with his bright blue coat, his yellow and white, you know what I mean? Like it's much more like, oh look, that's 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 a superhero for sure, automatically automatically identifiable. Um, and so that I think that was a huge part of how the character played out and where he came from. And it was a much more adult character. Um, like sex was part of the comic books. It it was very realistic. He was he got his powers because he got hit with – he became a bang baby it was called um, because he was in the middle of a gang fight and, or a gang – yeah, gang war, a turf war, and a stray bullet hit a canister that released this gas and turned him into a mutant. Mm. Oh, I I remember this they episode. Kept oh. They kept that in the com- or the cartoons, which I actually appreciated. I forgot about comics, that. Yeah. That was a thing that was like a – it was a part he, – he, but I think the difference in the cartoon is he was an innocent bystander. 
in the comics, he was part of the turf war. He was involved. That's right. Uh, and I think Static is a character that if he was to be around now, would would be I think he's kind of what media needs right now is that character and I think he'd fall in a couple of places I don't want to keep rambling uh, I want to let you say like your piece on this like um, how you feel what you've discovered while reading because I could keep going <laughs> <laughs> no that's okay um, yeah I mean I, I've seen quite a bit he's he's a cool character and I think you know a lot of people you know I, I talk about I'm a big movie guy, right? I want to see all these characters have these movie runs. And, you know, I kind of watch Static and everyone's, you know, like, oh, he can be like, he can be like DC's Spider-Man. Yeah. Have you ever got, like, gotten that vibe? Like, I've, now that when people mention that, I kind of get that vibe, like a Miles Morales Spider-Man. Uh, and- I can definitely get it. Witty. Yeah, uh, you know he's definitely got the wit. He's got cool powers. He can fly, uh, essentially he'll glide, uh, essentially. Yep. Um, you know, so he's got all the makings of it. But I mean, the cartoon. I, 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 I mean, just in simple terms, I absolutely love the cartoon. That was my first introduction to him. Uh, I've never actually physically read a Static comic, but because like you said, they're they're limited. They're not very popular. Yeah. Um, but ever since DC really got behind him, he's, he's, he's made some appearances, you know, he's, he's made some appearances. He's, he's been part of some big teams, uh, even having stints with, uh, justice league and like teen Titans and all that. John so Young justice show now he's in, yeah. he was in just introduced in season three. So, I mean, he, they're, they're trying, they're not letting him down cause they know he's popular, but, um, yeah, I, I just I don't know what it's gonna take for him to get like a really great solo run. Uh, you know, a lot of people said like the new Fifty Two version was a little weird. Yeah. People were complaining about the new Fifty Two version. They said it got better as it went along, but uh, you know, it, it it took some time. But you know, I mean, other than that, it's the, the cartoon is really you know yeah. my taking to him, and he's just a very popular character. You bring him up. Uh, often, like I bring them up often, and yeah, I agree. It, it's just it's positive, it's positive feedback, and they want more. And he's just this iconic character. Like I used to do, you know, I, I mean, I'm obsessed with doing the pole tournaments. And I used to run superhero tournaments all the time for a, uh, you know, another group that I used to be a part of on Facebook. And everyone's like, "We're Static Shock." I'm like, "Is he really like that big of a character?" He was a you huge know? ask for injustice, and still, no one, they still haven't gotten him. Yeah, they should definitely get on that. I think that would be a great addition. Yeah, I agree um, to that. But um, but yeah, I think a really cool character. I really hope they decide to utilize him more. Um, but but yeah, I mean, looking through, I like again essential storylines in history. I wanted to run through that really quick. You know, some yeah. Good go ahead. Um, I will say before you get into that because you made the I, just because I don't want to lose the thought. Yeah. You made the Spider-Man comment. Um, I was reading uh, um, some stuff here, and McDuffie, who, who actually made Static, worked for Marvel, and he wanted another Spider-Man 
Spider-Man esque character because he felt like that youthful superhero really connected with um, with readers. Like you've said before about your connection with Spider-Man, he's like, but how do I go about doing that? And then when he went to DC, he figured it out um, with this formula of this black character, and that's where Static actually was supposed to be DC Comics Spider-Man. Um, mm, okay. Or well, when he went to Milestone in DC, um, Milestone worked with DC, I think, pretty fast. Um, I think it was pretty early that they worked with – I think they used DC to launch their comics. Um, but, yeah, so that was the whole point of Static was to have this this Spider-Man vibe to him um, but appeal to a different crowd, which, again, I think it was a little too early. I think had he come later, he definitely would have. Uh, and, I'll, and I'll talk about that more because I know you have – you, you want to get through this, and then I have a couple things I want to talk about, um, like where he fits in live action, and a, just one or two other ideas of why I think he failed. But I'll okay. let, you, I'll let you roll with the history. Yeah, really, really quick. Um, all this reference stuff is all the newer stuff, too. Uh, all this essential storyline is history. There's nothing from – and I'm using the DCUniverse.com. Uh, and there's nothing from his original run at all. I love uh, issue one. I was reading through it, and it is gorgeous, and it is well written, and it's fan- I love it. Of the ori- the original one or this DC? Yeah, one? of the original okay. run. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, that's always a good place to start. You know, last month month was our origins month, and we always like to start with the origins to really get an idea of the, what the character was originally intended to be. So, I mean, that's always a good place to start too. Um, and it could be just DC saying, "Forget that history." Let's yeah. look at ours. But um, some of the books that they recommended for for him is some essential storylines. The Dark Side Club, uh, which was Terror Titans number one through six. It ran from 2008 to 2009. Uh, that, I think that was his debut with DC. Wow. I think. That's what the cover art says, DCU meet static. So I, I would imagine that's his, uh, that's his debut there. Uh, him joining the Teen Titans. And from Teen Titans Volume 3, number 69, that's 2009. Uh, Welcome Back to Dakota, that is the title of one of the books, Teen Titans Volume 3, issues 79 through 87. Uh, in 2010, there was a deadly virus or something that infected his sister, and uh, he went to go see it, and there's yeah, some, I mean, some cool storyline. And then the new 52 run, they say 1 through 8 is one of his better, uh, some of the better storylines for him. Uh, that ran from 2011 to 2012. So, um, I mean, there's plenty there to read. There's there's enough there to read to get an idea of him. But, yeah, that's that's pretty much what I got, Greg. Uh, let's hear what you got to say. So my two things. First, I'll say why I think he didn't do well. And I said too soon, too, too much too soon. Uh, my other idea is the difference between his original intentions as a character and the comic. Um, I think the comic – or the cartoon, rather. The cartoon really kept that – that vibe and his identity through his his race and everything i think they did a good job at that um to an extent i think they did it to an acceptable extent for the time air quotes are being inserted um but the original intent was to be this kind of in your face so i think um as viewers it's really hard for us to let go of what we know static as from the cartoons and what statics and the intentions of static are. So I think it's hard for him to find footing in that sense. You know what I mean? I think as we get older, we're like, oh, this seems a little more, um, a little darker, a little more. I, I hate the word, use the word, but like we almost feel like, oh, this has an agenda because we didn't notice it when we were kids. We don't recognize the differences in these characters. Um, and I know even talking about this and the way I talk about it runs the risk of people like being upset. You know what I mean? 
Like, Not oh, no, it's, he's just a superhero. No, <laughs> there's more to it. There's more to it to every character. Um, and you really see it with comic books. If you really start paying attention, um, I think we'll talk about it later on. But, like, Simon Baz's introduction right away as a character was that people thought he was a terrorist because he's Middle Eastern, you know? So, so right away you deal with that stuff. Um, and I think comic books, it's more in your face than you let yourself realize. So live action static is where I was heading with this, though. And I think the doors have been open wide for a live action static. Um, and it's finding this middle ground. I think Black Lightning and Luke Cage have done a great job at being these hip-hop Western TV shows, incorporating the, the music, incorporating the culture, and people liking it. Like, Luke, people loved Luke Cage. Luke Cage was in your face. That was one of the comics I wrote my, or one of the shows I wrote one of my biggest papers on because there was so much to it. The Atticus building, the, you know, the, the speech in Martin Luther King Park. Um, and then very much so Black Lightning took a lot of steps from that. And then on the other side, you have the more kid-friendly version, which is Into the Spider-Verse, which people absolutely loved because it was comic it was super comic. It was super fun. It had like, it felt like you were watching a live action comic, but still had so much culture ingrained into it. Right. So I think you find that middle ground with static shock. And I think you don't lean super miles Morales because he's got to be different, but you also don't need full Luke cage. And you have this teen character that can really stand out. Cause, cause even miles Morales um, showed a different side of what, what I think, we expect. I still think you can get a little more real with Static um, and where he grew up and everything he's been involved with and his origin story. Um, but find that middle ground and still have him be that Spidey Spider-Man-esque character that the Miles Morales movie kind of introduced us for on the DC side. Uh, and find that connection. And I think he can do that in a solo show. I think he can do it in animated. Um, but if not, I think he would be one of the things I feel like Black Lightning, the TV show, is missing is um, I think it's funny, but I think it needs a little more light to it, a little more levity. And introducing Static Shock uh, as a live-action character through Freeland in the Black Lightning TV show might just do that. That yeah. might be exactly you know the life that show needs because it, it does well, but it's not the top dog that those other shows are. And those other shows are those that top dog because of their heart. And that's what I think Static kind of can be for the DC Universe, um, for that kind of character. Okay, I dig it. I dig it. Do you have anybody in mind, off the top of your head, who you'd like to see play Static? You know, I've been really, I've been trying to find it, and I can't think of anybody. Um, I've seen stuff like John Boyega and stuff, and I was like, ah, eh, no. <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 He's a good actor, but I feel like Static needs that youth to him. Um, unfortunately right now, the character, the guy that has the best look and the best attitude for static is the same kid who voiced, um, who voiced miles for the Spider-Verse movie. He, he looks like static in the comics. He's got the, that attitude. He's got the great voice for it, but I don't want him to be DC's Miles Morales. I want him to be static shock. You know, I want right, him to be right. his own character. Um, but I think. And again, too, you can incorporate that music and find a way to draw fans from our generation by maybe getting a little newer with the music. Like, um, I feel like Miles Morales is the music for 
Spider-Verse was in insanely good. But it's a lot of artists I don't really know. There was a couple I knew in there, but not a ton. And then you go into um, Luke Cage's soundtrack, and it is, it's Wu-Tang, it's ODB, it's, you know, Tribe, and it's great. I think if you take Static and you hit that, that early 2000s generation um, and you get like Lil Wayne and DMX and really – and pull some of the 90s but really like hit that middle ground. Even maybe go a little newer with like Travis Scott. You could have – the soundtrack is a huge thing that draws people to superheroes and you can really add that like hip-hop vibe to Static kind of similar to what they did with Spider-Verse but even more so and really bring that culture forward. Um I said there was a kid in the the actual the Wu Tang origin show that would be pretty good for Static, and I can't think of what character he played right now. It might have been the kid who played ODB, but I'm not remembering off the top of my head. Okay. Hmm. So yeah, I mean, two just great, great characters that we got to look at today, and I'm excited, uh, and I hope that as more and more African American characters get to be featured. That um, you know they find their part in live action roles and get to build a you know a, a big following again. But yeah. Um, yeah, is there anything you wanted to add before we go to our wheel and pick our next week's characters? I think I can hop off my soapbox now. Uh, <laughs> oh, it, it was uh, T.J. Adams. That was who I was thinking of for Static. Okay. Okay. And he right. he played uh, Asin in Wu Tang. Okay. All right. Very good. All right. Let's go to the wheel. We're going to pick our next two characters starting now. Mau Kogo. Okay. Yeah, I see. I, I looked up a list in uh, the most influential, like, big name uh, African-American characters. So this is one that's going to be out of my element. Uh, I like it. So, yeah. Well, I oh, okay. She's from um, Part of My Language, but Bitch Planet. Okay. I've heard a lot of good things about that comic book. Okay, sweet. So I'm excited to look at that. And then here comes our number two. Moon Girl. Ooh, I love Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. Oh, perfect. And I like it. It's it's two African American women, which is pretty awesome. No, it's good to mix up our uh mix up what we got. So definitely don't cover women a lot on this show, so I think that's that's gonna be pretty that's pretty cool that we're that's where we're heading with this. I like it. I like it. So yeah, that'll be our next week's focal characters. We'll pick a theme. Uh, you know, of course, to uh you know, to talk about before we get into these respective characters. But uh, nonetheless, just good, good things uh, ahead for us. Got to say, uh, you know, we got a couple big events coming up. February 29th, Saturday, February 29th is a very important day for myself and Greg, as well as the rest of our friends at our uh, at the podcast precinct, even though uh, I've, I'm kind of going the Odin route with it now. Uh, the podcast precinct is not a place, it's a people's. It's people. Uh, that's kind of what it is right now. It's living in spirit, but uh, we are having our fundraiser on February 29th, 10 a.m., 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. as a basket auction fundraiser. 
at St. John de la Salle Parish Center, 8477 Buffalo Avenue in Niagara Falls, New York. It is a very, very important date, uh, you know, for us. We're going to have different stations set up. We're going to have a lot to do. Um, you know, this show is going to have its own pretty much setup and fundraising area. I'm going to be selling comic books at the panel discussion display area. And there's going to be football cards for, for the, you know, some of the other show for the football shows and, and so much more going on. It's, oh, yeah. We're all putting in the work. We want to raise money and get a new office space that is efficient to what we want and need it to be. Yeah. So um, that's important. Also, August 8th, Saturday, August 8th. The second annual Western New York PodCon showcase is in it. It's at that same location. I'm really excited. Live shows. There's going to be a big basket auction there. Uh, and that's all coming together now. We just announced it this past week. And it's going to be a ton of shows. Well, a handful of shows already there. And we're going to be adding more. Uh, and hopefully some art vendors and stuff, too. So if you want, if you have a podcast or if you have a brand, you're an artist, and you want to, you're interested in maybe setting up, at our events, reach out to me at the podcast precinct at gmail.com. Um, and we'll talk about that. Regist- yeah, the registration fee is $25 for the first two people. You get two tables, and then for every additional person, it's 15 and it all goes into a big basket auction. And the wit and uh, all the profits that are made from the basket auction get kicked back to all the individual podcasters. So we all divide it up. So it's really cool. Uh, so, but those are very important dates for us, you know, going forwards, we have a lot to accomplish yet. Oh yeah. And, we're... and uh, I'm going to hop in real quick. Sorry. Yeah. My no, new show, uh, squad white gaming. The first episode I know is up on Spotify um, and we'll officially be releasing episode one on Wednesday and every Wednesday to follow will be squad white gaming. Um, I'm super excited. It's a show I get to do with my brother. And it is – we're having a great time with it, and we are streaming. Um, at the time of this being released, I believe he'll be streaming on Friday. Uh, I'll be up streaming on Twitch. So look for Marcus Shades on Mixer, and then look for Squad Wipe Gaming Pod on Twitch. Um, and we play all sorts of weird stuff, uh, all sorts of weird games, and we, we talk – Video game history, our favorite games, and some of our favorite video games, and especially esports. And the esports season is bumping right now, uh, so we have a lot to talk about this this next recording. Um, so yeah, every other week on Wednesdays, and then just constantly watch Mixer and Twitch. Uh, follow us, subscribe. It allows us to pump out more games and more content. Um, and we're super excited to be having um, some some video game talk here on the BICBP Radio Network, and especially some streaming and gaming. I'm having a great time with it. No, that's awesome. Very happy for you guys. Glad Mark is a part of the network now. And uh yeah, that you guys will be featured at our at our fundraiser as well as PodCon. Oh uh, yeah, we'll be playing some video games and having a good time. I can't wait. So make sure you're there. And uh that does it for this week's episode of the panel discussion. We will talk to you next week right here on the BICBP Radio Network. Mm-hmm.